The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Welcome to NDE Radio, brought to you by IONS, the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. The year I was born, a movie came out titled The Man Who Wouldn't Die, starring Lloyd Nolan. I've never watched it, but the notion of not dying has always given me the creeps, especially since my own uh, childhood drowning and the abbreviated NDE I experienced. Earth is beautiful, and yet most everyone who has seen the other side would be uh, bitterly disappointed not to be able to go into the light when the time comes for it. In graduate school, I encountered the legend of the wandering Jew and decided to tackle uh, turning it into an audio production uh, as as a school project. The idea was to uh, present it on the university's radio station, but that never worked out. Anyway, I came across the 30-year-old tape the other day and I thought I'd uh, see if it would be appropriate for NDE radio, since the question of not dying goes hand in hand with the question of what happens when we do die. Um, I don't know what condition the tape will be in when we play it, but I thought this would be a good time to introduce you to some of the elements of the story. My thanks to uh, Wikipedia for the use of their listing under The Wandering Jew. And if you want to um, look up uh, the hundreds of (laughs) novels, paintings, uh, poems, and so forth that uh, are listed under this topic... Uh, do that at Wikipedia because it's uh, it's quite an amazing collection. The story of the Wandering Jew is based on a legend, of course, and yet there have been actual reports of sightings of a mysterious person or persons who have spanned centuries of life. The earliest extant manuscript was the the legend in the Fiori's Historia Arum by uh, Roger of Wendover, where it appears in the part for the year um, for 1228 under the title of the Jew Joseph, who is still alive awaiting the last coming of Christ. That's the title. At least from the 17th century, the name Asaver has been given to the wandering Jew, apparently adopted from Asurius, uh, the Persian king in the book of Esther who was not a Jew and whose very name among medieval Jews was an exemplum of a fool. This name may have been chosen because the book of Esther describes the Jews as a persecuted people scattered across every province of Hasurius's vast empire, similar to the later Jewish diaspora in countries where state and or majority religions were forms of Christianity. A variety of names have since been given to the wandering Jew, including Mata, well, it's Matthew, uh, Buta Dias, Paul Moran, and uh, Isaac, which is a name uh, given for him to him in France and the Low Countries in popular legend, as well as in the uh, novel by uh, Alexander Dumas. Where German or Russian are spoken, the emphasis has been on the perpetual character of his punishment. Uh, this is an interesting uh, cultural difference in German and Russian uh, literature. The emphasis has been on the perpetual character of his punishment, and thus he is known there as Eviger Uda or Judah, and uh, 
and what means basically the eternal Jew. And in French, French and other Latin languages, the usage has been to refer to the wanderings and thus has been followed in English from the Middle Ages as the wandering Jew, which doesn't impose such a, uh, you know, the, the notion of punishment, even though it's built into the notion of not dying as far as I'm concerned. In Finnish, uh, he is uh, known as a shoemaker, the shoemaker of Jerusalem, implying that he was a cobbler by his trade. The origins of the legend are uncertain. Perhaps one element is the story in Genesis of Cain, who is issued with a similar punishment to wander over the earth, scavenging and never reaping, although without the related punishment of endlessness. According to Jehoshua Gilboa, many commentators have pointed to Hosea 9, uh, chapter 17, or chapter 9, chapter uh, 9, verse 17, as a statement of the notion of the eternal wandering Jew. According to some sources, the legend stems from Jesus' words given in Matthew 16, verse 28. Truly I tell you, this is from that, truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. A belief that the disciple whom Jesus loved would not die was apparently popular enough in the early Christian world to be denounced in the Gospel of John. And Peter, turning about, um, seeth, uh, the disciple followed, uh, seeing the disciple followed whom Jesus loved and who had also uh, leaned on his breast at the supper um, <clears throat> and had said, Lord, which is he who betrayeth thee? That, that was re- in reference to Judas. When therefore Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what shall he do? And Jesus said to him, if I will it that he remain till I come, what is that to you? Follow you, uh, me. And, and then, uh, saying that he went forth among the brethren that the disciple would not, uh, the saying went out among the brethren that the disciple would not die. Yet Jesus had not said to him that he wouldn't die. But anyway, that's where that story about uh, the disciple, the beloved disciple John, comes from. Another passage in the Gospel of John speaks about a a guard of the high priest who slaps Jesus. And earlier, the Gospel of John talks about Simon Peter striking the ear from a servant of the high priest named Malchus. Although the servant is probably not the same guard who struck Jesus, Malchus, Malchus is not, nonetheless one of the many names given to the wandering Jew in later legend. Extant manuscripts have shown that as early as the time of Tertullian, that's about uh, 200 AD, some Christian proponents were likening the Jewish people to a new Cain, um, asserting that they would be fugitives and wanderers upon the earth. Um, Aurelius, uh, Clements writes in his Apotheosis, which came out about 400, when Christianity was the official religion of the land of the Roman Empire. Uh, from when he was, um, from place to place, the homeless Jew wanders in ever-shifting exile since the time when he was torn from the abode of his fathers. Now, the story became really big in medieval legend. Um, some scholars have identified components of the legend of the eternal Jew in Teutonic legends of the eternal hunter, some features of which are derived from uh, Odin mythology. 
in some areas, um, the farmers arrange the rows in their fields in such a way that on Sundays, the eternal Jew might find a resting place. Elsewhere, they assumed that he could go, he could rest only upon a plow or that he had to be on the go at all year and was allowed a respite only on Christmas. A variant of the wandering Jew legend is recorded in the Flores Historarium by Roger Wendover, uh, Roger of Wendover around the year 1228. And, um, Armenian Archbishop then visiting England was asked by the monks of St. Albans Albi about the celebration, celebrated Joseph of Arimathea, who had spoken to Jesus and was reported to be still alive, which would be quite a deal 1200 years later. The archbishop answered that he had himself seen such a man in uh, Armenia and that his name was Cartophilus, a Jewish shoemaker, who, when Jesus stopped for a second to rest while carrying his cross, hit him and told him to go on quicker, Jesus, go on quicker. Why does that loiter here? To which Jesus, with a stern countenance, that's in quotes, said to have replied, I shall stand and rest, but thou shalt go on till the last day. The Armenian bishop also reported that Cartophilus had since converted to Christianity and spent his wandering days proselytizing and leading a hermit's life. Matthew Paris included this passage from Roger of Wendover in his own history, and other uh, Armenians appeared in 1252 at the Abbey of St. Albans repeating the same story, which was regarded there as a great proof of the truth of the Christian religion. The name, uh, the same Armenian told the story of uh, Tournai in 1243, according to the Chronicles of Philip Muskes. Um, and then after that, Guido Bonatti writes, People saw the wandering Jew in 40 Italy in the 13th century. Other people saw him in Vienna and elsewhere. The figure of the doomed sinner, forced to wander without the hope of rest and death till the second coming of Christ, impressed itself upon the popular medieval imagination, mainly with reference to the teeming immortality of the wandering Jewish people. And I said teeming, but I meant seeming. The seeming immortality of the wandering Jewish people. These two aspects of the legend are represented in the different names given to the central figure. In German-speaking countries and Russia, he is referred to as Der Erwege Uda or Judah, and the immortal or eternal Jew, uh, while in Romance-speaking countries he is known as the Wandering Jew. He is known in Spanish as in, he's known in Spanish as uh, John, who waits for God, and that would probably be a reference back to um, the disciple John. These were claims of sightings of the wandering Jew throughout Europe. Since at least 1542 in Hamburg up until 1868 in Hart's Corners, New York, Joseph Jacobs writing in the 11th edition of the Encyclopedia Britannica, which goes back to 1911, commented, it is difficult to tell in any one of these cases how far the story is an entire fiction and how far some ingenious imposter took advantage of the existence of the myth. It has been alleged by an 1881 writer, this is, this is a continuation of the quote from the Britannica, it has been alleged by an 1881 writer who, however, cites no instances 
that the supposed presence of the wandering Jew has occasionally been used as a pretext for incursions by Gentiles into Jewish quarters during the late Middle Ages when the legend was accepted as fact. The legend became more popular after it appeared in a 17th century pamphlet of four leaves. Um, the tale of, the, uh, I won't try, I won't attempt the German title. Um, it's the short description and tale of a Jew with a name Ahasuerus or Hasuerus. Here we are told that some 50 years before a bishop met him in a church in Hamburg, repentant, ill-clothed, and distracted at the thought of having to move on in a few weeks. As with urban legends, particularities tend to verisimilitude. The bishop is specifically Paulus von Etzen, general superintendent of uh, Schleswig. The legend spread quickly throughout Germany, no less than eight different editions, appearing in 1602. Altogether, 40 appeared in Germany before the end of the 18th century. Eight editions in Dutch and Flemish are known, and the story soon passed to France, the first French edition appearing in Bordeaux in 1609, and to England, where it appeared in the form of a parody in uh, 1625. The pamphlet was translated also into Dutch, uh, Danish, Swedish, and the expression Eternal Jew is current in Czech, Slovak, and German. Apparently, the pamphlets of 1602 borrowed parts of the descriptions of the wandering wanderer from reports, most notably um, by Balthazar Rosso, about an itinerant preacher called Jürgen. In France, the wandering Jew appeared in Simon Tissot's um, La Vie. In England, the wandering Jew makes an appearance in one of the secondary plots in Matthew Lewis's gothic novel, The Monk. Uh, that's from 1796. The Wandering Jew is depicted as an exorcist whose origins remain unclear. The Wandering Jew also plays a role in St. Leon, uh, written in 1799 by William Godwin. The Wandering Jew also appears in two English broadside ballads of the 17th and 18th centuries, The Wandering Jew and The Wandering Jew's Chronicle. The former recounts the biblical story of the wandering Jews' encounter with Christ, while the latter tells, from the point of view of the titular character, the succession of English monarchs from William the Conqueror through either King Charles II in the 17th century text or King George II and Queen Carolyn in the 18th century version. So they updated it (laughs) according to where they lived in time. In Britain, a a ballad with the title The Wandering Jew was included in Thomas Percy's Rel- uh, Reliquy, uh, published in 1765. In 1797, there was an operetta called The Wandering Jew. It's just amazing, really, when you stop to think about um, all of the all of the ways that this theme of living forever has been incorporated into into works of art, um, into works of literature into uh, music and, and plays and the like. I'll give you a few more here. In 1810, uh, Percy, Bish, uh, Percy Bish Shelley um, had written a poem in four cantos with the title The Wandering Jew. It remained unpublished until 1877. In two other works of Shelley, 
Ahasuerus appeared uh, as a phantom in his first major poem, Queen Mob, a, a philosophical poem, and later as a hermit healer in his last major work, the verse drama Hellas. Thomas Carlyle, um, in his Sartor Resartus, 1834, compares its hero Diogenes uh, on several occasions to the wandering Jew, also uh, using the German uh, word der Ewige, Ewige, wandering. In Chapter 15 of Great Expectations, 1861, by Charles Dickens, the journeyman uh, Orlick is compared to the wandering Jew, and actually, um, although he was a ghost, uh, Marley's ghost in uh, in uh, the Dickens, I mean in um, the Scrooge story, Christmas Carol, uh, is condemned to wander, even though he's even though he's a ghost. This seems like a parallel in many ways to the to the life, if you could call it that, of the wandering Jew. Uh, in North America, Nathaniel Hawthorne's story, A Virtuoso's Collection, and uh, Ethan Brand feature the wandering Jew serving as a guide to the story's characters. In 1873, a publisher in North America produced The Legend of the Wandering Jew, a series of 12 designs by Gustave Doré. Gustave Doré, uh, if you are familiar with his um, artwork at all, he did um, uh, woodcuts for the... Uh, Dante's Divine Comedy, which are just amazingly beautiful. Um, for each illustration, there was a couplet such as, Too late he feels by look and deed and word, how often he has crucified his Lord. So there is this Christian context overlaying the wandering Jew, blaming him for the death of Christ, which is really uh, Rome's doing. But which is where the Vatican is located, but never mind. In 1901, a New York publisher reprinted under the title Tarry Thou Till I Come, George uh, Crowley's um, work, which is uh, uh, treated, treated the subject in an imaginative form, it says here. It had appeared anonymously in 1828. Um, in Lewis Wallace's novel, The Prince of India, the wandering Jew is the protagonist. The book follows his adventures through the ages as he takes part in the shaping of history. An American rabbi, H.M. Bine, turned the character into the wandering Gentile in his novel, Ben Bear, a tale of the anti-Messiah. In the same year, John McKeever wrote a novel, The Wandering Jew, a tale of the last lost tribes of Israel. And a humorous account of the wandering Jew appears in chapter 54 of Mark Twain's uh, 1869 travel book, The Innocents Abroad. And while I'm thinking about it, you guys may be familiar with uh, a comedy routine that uh, Mel Brooks and Carl Reiner did called The 2,000-Year-Old Man. Very funny. You can find uh, excerpts on YouTube, I believe. Uh, Robert Hammerling in his Ahasvar in Rome, Ahasvar in Rome, Vienna, 1866, identifies Nero with the wandering Jew. That's a stretch. Goethe had designed a poem on the subject, the plot of which he uh, sketched in his Dichtung und Wahrheit. Um, in Denmark, 
Hans Christian Andersen made his Ahasuerus, Ahasuerus, the angel of doubt, and was, um, and was imitated by Heller, it says, in a poem on the wandering Jew, which he afterwards developed into three cantos. Um, Martin Anderson next wrote, um, short story named The Eternal Jew. And, uh, he was also, uh, from Denmark. The story of the wandering Jew is the basis of the essay, The Unhappiest One, in, uh, Kierkegaard's, um, Either Or, published in 1843 in Copenhagen. It also discussed in an early portion of the book the focus, the focus on Mozart's opera Don Giovanni. Oh, it's amazing how much, uh, use the story has been, uh, m- made of. <laughs> They have uh, used it in in all forms, in all artistic forms, and um, it's not only that, but it's not treated as legend in a lot of this material. It's treated as truth. Uh, the French writer Edgar Quinet and published his pro- prose epic in the on the legend in 1833. Um, there's um, another use of Gustave Doré's designs in. Um, Grenier's, Grenier's uh, 1857 poem on the subject um, that was, had been published the preceding year, and then Dore took off with that. Um, gosh. Um, skipping down through some of this. Uh, Guide de Maupassant's short story, Uncle Judas. Uh, the local people believe uh, in that story that the old man in the story is the wandering Jew. In Russia, the legend of the wandering Jew appears in an incomplete epic poem. Um, let's see. The wandering Jew makes a notable appearance in the Gothic masterpiece of the Polish writer uh, Jan Potot- Potocki. The manuscript found in Saragossa it's, is the title written about 1797 and in South America. I mean it's it's really all over the world. In Argentina, for example, the topic of the wandering Jew has appeared several times in the work of Enrique Anderson um Imber, um particularly in his short story El Grimorio, included in the eponymous book chapter 37. And so forth and so on and so on. Um, in Green Mansions, a book I had to read in high school, W.H. Hudson's protagonist, Abel, refers, references the wandering Jew in, as an archetype for, of someone like himself who prays for redemption and peace while condemned to walk the earth. In, of course, in a way, we are all like that. It's just the length of time that we're here that is being considered in all of this writing. In 1967, the wandering Jew appears as an unexplained magical realist um, town folk legend in um, Gabriel Marquez's A Hundred Years of Solitude. A Colombian writer, Prospero Pradilla, in his novel uh, The Sins of Innes de Hinojosa, describes the famous wandering Jew of, of Tunya that has been there since the 16th century. 
He talks about the wooden statue of the wandering Jew that is at Santo Domingo Church and every year during the Holy Week is carried around the shoulders on the shoulders of the Easter penitents. They carry that statue around the city. The main feature of the statue are his eyes. They can express the hatred and anger in front of Jesus carrying the cross. <laughs> in Mariano Azuela's novel of the Mexican Revolution, um, The Underdogs, the character of Venaccio, semi-educated barber, entertains the band of revolutionaries by recounting episodes from The Wandering Jew, one of two books he has read. Simone de Beauvoir. Um, let's see. In her novel, uh, All Men Are Mortal, <laughs> the leading figure, uh, Raymond Fosca, undergoes a faith similar to the wandering Jew who is being explicitly mentioned as a reference. The German writer Steffenheim in his novel Has uh, Hasfar, tra- translated into English as the wandering Jew, maps the story of as, uh, Suvia, Su, you know, <laughs> as the wandering Jew and Lucifer raging between ancient times, the German, uh, Germany of Luther and socialist East Germany. In Heim's depiction, the wandering Jew is a highly sympathetic character. Well, in my, just to, to jump ahead to the tape, uh, I painted him as a sympathetic character as well. He is searching for death. And the way the story of the tape runs, he looks at all of the various, he looks into all of the various theologies, philosophies, um, and life uh, situations available to him during the different eras he's traveling through in order to, uh, he's, he's in search of death, basically. He's trying to find a way to die. And, um, he wants, he wants to know, um, he wants to know God. He wants to know the other side. His heart's in the right place. For whatever reason, he's condemned. And I, for that reason, chose Lazarus being the one Christ raised because Jesus loved Lazarus. It wasn't to punish him in any, by any means, but um, uh, any one of these characters, for good or for evil, could probably play the same role in the tape because the search for uh, a pathway to death is constant throughout all of them, the good and the bad alike. Let me see if there's anything I have missed from the Wikipedia write-up that would be of interest. Um, there was a Soviet satirist who um, had their hero, Ostia Bender, Tell the story of the wandering Jew's death at the hands of Ukrainian nationalists in The Little Golden Calf. In his story, a Hasfer, a weird man, comes to a Soviet writer in Moscow in 1944, introduces himself as the cosmopolitan and claims he is Paul van Etzen, a theologian from Hamburg, who concocted the legend of the wandering Jew in the 16th century to become rich and famous, but then turned himself into a real Ahasver against his will. The novel Overburdened um, with Evil 
by Arkady and Boris uh, Strogatsky involves a character in modern setting who turns out to be the Wandering Jew, identified at the same time in a subplot with John the Divine. John the Divine being um, the author of, um, well, when I think of John the Divine, I think of the Cathedral in New York. But um, anyway, in the novel Going to the Light by um, Golosovsky, Asurius turns out to be the Apostle Paul, punished together with Moses and Mohammed for inventing false religion. It's interesting. Skipping down... Well, he, he appears, he reappears in modern works, in science fiction works, in a modern artwork. Um, the Wandering Jew appears as a sympathetic character in Diane Wynne Jones' young adult novel, The Homeward Bounders. His fate is tied with a larger plot theme, uh, with larger plot themes regarding destiny, disobedience, and punishment. Um, as for a cult leader uh, identified with the wandering Jew as a central figure in Anthony Boucher's classic mystery novel Nine Times Nine, originally published in 1940 under the name H. Holmes, uh, the wandering Jew encounters a return Christ in Deborah Grablin's 1990 novel Plain Song. There is, uh, I, I read somewhere, that there had been a decreasing interest in the wandering Jew since the rebuilding of Jerusalem uh, and uh, the Jews moving back into Israel. Well, listen, we're out of time, so thanks for listening. Um, If listeners would like to hear this show again or any of our past shows, just go to our website at nderadio.org and hit the past shows button. And for information about IANS, just go to their website at iands.org. And be with us again next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern, for more NDE Radio. This is your host, Lee Whitting, saying thanks for listening.